Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I am unfortunately not joined here by my co-host, Jaren, today as we had a bit of an issue in terms of him forgetting his microphone as he's staying elsewhere tonight. Uh, you know, he was able to watch the game and everything, but uh, just kind of a mishap on our part. But nonetheless, I still got you guys covered, of course. Today, we are going to be covering the Mavericks 129 to 114 victory over the Houston Rockets probably one of the more nonchalant wins of the Mavericks season. Um, but the Mavericks are, you know, ever so quietly because probably four out of these five games, you can argue or make an argument that the Mavericks could have easily lost it, or they just, or even if they did win um, the way in which they won was not defiant and it was not emblematic of a team on a five game win streak that I guess you would think of stereotypically, right? Um, but this game, like the Mavericks, you know, the Rockets do have the worst record in the league, but the Mavericks, to say the very least, they came out and take, took care of business and, and um, they needed a type of win like this. I don't really feel like this Mavericks team has had a lot of take care of business wins where you, there's just no sweat from start to finish. You know, they were at home, of course, um, so that always bodes well for them as their home record, you know, is – tenfold better than their road record which is I mean honestly atrocious but that so you know that may have been an aiding factor but as we approach the new year it was nice for the Mavericks to take care of business and what could have easily been a trap game especially with the amount of injuries the Mavericks had right now anytime that they get a win like this amidst you know our plethora of our best three defenders being out in Josh Green, Maxi Kleber and Dorian Finney-Smith um, this is kind of a rough stretch that we're going through with, you know, particularly with green, you know, Maxi obviously with the hamstring tear is going to be out probably about another five weeks, but uh, green and Finney Smith, you know, they're both getting reevaluated in like a week here. Um, and the Mavericks are kind of having to get hokey with some of these lineups and their rotations. You know, I'll get into that a little bit in this podcast today. So the fact that they were able to um, basically kind of, tread water or honestly not just tread water but excel during this stretch just in terms of the win column you know at the end of the day the Mavericks can play however they play during the game but a win is a win right so um, it's been really cool to see them win five games all in the most kind of obscure fashions and you know bad wins quote unquote Um, but yeah, you take it at the end of the day. And this was like the first win out of this five game win streak. Like I said, where, you know, albeit against a severely, you know, brittle and fragile young Rockets team that couldn't play defense. If they had every single defensive boost on 2K, this team still couldn't play transition defense or defense in the half court for that matter. But it's still cool to see the Mavericks take care of business, right? And it was needed. Luka Doncic, like I said, just to talk about, you know, the nonchalantness short of this game. I don't know if that's actually a word, but I'm going to say it anyways. Luka Doncic had probably one of the most effortless 35-point triple doubles I think I'd ever seen, um, or just triple doubles in general. I mean, he, he had just countless outlet passes in transition where the Rockets, you know, just kind of failed to get back. But, I mean, they were just spot on. The, t- the type passes where it's like, wow, like this guy is really toying with this team right now, chucking it full court from end to end to Davis Bertans a couple times. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dwight Powell, I think was a recipient of one of those passes. Luca, I mean, he was just playing around. Anytime he's kind of just getting a rebound and throwing an outlet pass immediately, like multiple times over the course of a game, it just truly shows how easy and rudimentary these processes are for him, especially against – you know, a team as bad as at, at defense as the Rockets. I mean, there was one play in the fourth quarter where um, I believe it was Dwight got hit really hard in, you know, his abdominal area by Tari Eason. And 
it was him and Luca kind of crowded on this on the left corner. It was bad spacing. And Dwight was kind of just he like walked off to the side. And Luca, you know, to get his 35th point after you know having 32 up until this point, his last made field goal of the night, he just like casually steps back. Like it, it kind of looked like he was in shoot around. I I mean, I there there's not many opponents in the NBA. Um, and I'm not trying to write off the Houston Rockets as being uh, a sort of terrible team or anything like that, right? Because any NBA team is much more competent than, you know, any college team, you know, more so than anybody has any sort of idea of. And, you know, I, I, that's one of my sort of ticks is when people call professional athletes bad. Like, obviously, you know, you can comparatively – rank them against each other and tear off certain guys like that's you know more than fair like i'm not you, you don't you would never make an argument that like Deshaun nix on the rockets not is as near as good as luca right but Deshaun nix is exponentially closer to luca than the common guy in the street is to Deshaun nix right so you know from that standpoint the rockets really just they I mean, I'm kind of running out of words to describe like how sort of atrocious their defensive effort was tonight, but they just had no answers for the Mavericks. And it honestly seemed like the Mavericks were not even putting forth their best foot in terms of the variety of the offense that was being drawn up in terms of what the Mavericks were doing. I mean, it was kind of like just, you know, hand the ball to Tim, Luca, Christian Wood, or Dinwiddie, and let them shoot over somebody or get to the rack. Like, I mean, and when the Mavericks did run actions, they were wildly successful in them. Um, I believe there was one point in like the third quarter where Dinwiddie was able to just throw an easy lob to Christian Wood after the Mavericks were able to really um, like just attack off one closeout and break the the Rockets, um, you know, man to man defense on just one time and the Rockets were never able to recover. And it kind of seemed like, you know, if the Mavericks were just able to break, you know, the defense one time, if they were able to just, you know, attack off of a closeout successfully, um, you know, get a guy on their hip in the pick and roll, if, you know, Luca or Dinwiddie were the primary ball handler, you know, in C. Woods case, if he was able to get proper position in the paint, like it was just wraps at that point. There was nothing the Rockets could do. Yeah, so there's a lot of compelling things to get into with this game. You know, we'll definitely keep it a more shorter podcast because it was more so, you know, a good take care of business when there's not like too many negatives to harp on. So uh, obviously I love doing these podcasts more than having to rag on the Mavericks for, you know, an hour, like some of the ones that uh, I, we tend to do over here. But uh, nonetheless, we'll go ahead and get into um, the whole podcast. But first, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, so getting into this one here, um, at the start of the first quarter, you could definitely tell that the Mavericks' lack of defensive variety was hurting them a few times. Um, They opted to play a zone throughout large stretches in that first half because, you know, of how injury-riddled they are right now. And their zone uh, definitely, I think, limited the Rockets' ability to, you know, really get things going on the perimeter. I thought the Mavericks were quick to recover in terms of limiting the amount of threes the Rockets were taking and all that sort of stuff. But I do think that the Mavericks did suffer a lot in that first half specifically from Jabari Smith Jr., um, top three pick in last year's draft, being able to get to the middle of the zones. He was doing a really good job just getting to his spot. And, um, you know, at that 6'10", 6'11", frame, just being able to really shoot over anybody that was guarding him. And that did give the Mavericks some issues in that first half, but it was still like a wire-to-wire win for the Mavericks. They didn't suffer so heavily as to, you know, them ever really losing control of this game. But I will say in that first or second quarter, you could obviously see that they had a few issues in terms of finding a counter to Jabari Smith Jr. and, his offense because he was doing a really good job just getting into that painted area, whether he caught the ball at the elbow or the nail, just shooting over guys. And I mean, I, he definitely slowed down in a big way in that second half. He wasn't making as many shots, of course, but nonetheless, it was um, the Mavericks, you know, still were able to come out of the first quarter with a solid lead. Um, Luca 
you know, was just effortlessly kind of getting into the paint. It almost seemed as like this was one of those games that he could just pick to pass more, right? Anytime he has a game where he just chooses to do a certain thing, that's how you know he's completely in his bag and there's really no stopping him because he, you know, he had like 13 assists tonight and, you know, a lot of them were just pinpoint, you know, like flashy pass. This is almost like he was making a statement, like those type of games, anytime you can get that out of Luca, you typically are winning in a pretty comfortable fashion. And that was very emblematic tonight. Uh, so, you know, barring Jabari Smith Jr.'s sort of takeoff in that first quarter, the you know, we were able to get things going with some Tim Hardaway Jr. threes. He was doing a really good job, you know, shooting the tonight. You kind of see the total inverse of Tim's night versus New York where he shot the ball atrociously. It typically seems with Tim that, you know, it's just a game-to-game basis with him. He'll shoot good one night, and then the next night he's going to do terribly, and then the cycle repeats. But that's better than him shooting terribly every night like we saw at the beginning of the season. So I have no issues with this. It is what it is, you know. The Mavericks did opt to start Frank Nitlikina in place of Dwight Powell, who they went to last game. Dwight Powell started in tandem with Christian Wood last game versus the Knicks and what I thought was a pretty um, – a, a, a decision that lacked a lot of foresight and by Jason Kidd and one that was based off of a very small sample size. Well, you know, I mean, Dwight Powell and Christian would have played together, but uh, they, they haven't had any sort of wild or overt success. If you go look at, you know, their offensive and defensive ratings, any of the, the advanced numbers on their lineups, you know, it's just, you, it's hard to, really build a complete well-oiled machine on the offensive end when you know you're not you have two guys that are essentially serving the same role and obviously you know you can stick Christian Wood on the perimeter and use Dwight Powell as the primary roller but then that sort of expedites Christian Wood's skill set um, away from you know the offense right in that kind of limits him to only being an isolation score and a guy who can catch and shoot from three. So I, I do think to an extent playing them together is counterintuitive. Um, there are times where the Mavericks have gone to it throughout this stretch since Maxie's been hurt. But I mean, with how thin they are at big men right now, I really don't see why they just don't keep one of them in the game at all times. And then the other one on the bench, but I think they did a better job of that tonight. I, don't think they got any minutes together at any point in this game so that was good to see and you know Christian Wood probably would have had like 30 points in this game if not for getting in foul trouble um but nonetheless he while he had a very very slow first half in terms of scoring he ended up finishing with five blocks in this game a lot of them where he was able to switch on to a smaller defender or was forced to switch on to a smaller defender and, you know, stayed with his man and was able to block. And he even got a couple where he was just manned up on Shingun and was able to block him. I mean, a guy who's been a really good post player these first two years in the league, right? So that was wildly impressive. I thought it was his best defensive effort as a Maverick. Now, keep in mind, you know, of course, it's against this Houston team, a team where he was on last year and he knows the personnel of them. He probably knows some of these guys' tendencies a little bit better. He honestly should have had six blocks, though, because he got called for a foul on Kevin Porter Jr. there in that first half where he clearly got a block, but the refs decided against it and called a foul for whatever reason. The ref, the refereeing tonight was a little spotty, but um, not in any realm did it affect the trajectory of this game for the Mavericks. But So, you know, I'm never one to complain about the refs, but unless it is, like, extremely warranted. Um, but I will say that there were a few weird calls and – I thought they were kind of hard on Christian Wood tonight. He got to five fouls really quickly. Um, he was kind of put on the island. You know, this is the problem with Christian Wood as your primary defensive center. He has the capabilities um, just athletically not to be a – I know he's been averaging two-plus blocks in, like, the past however many games. I think, like, 10 at this point. He's had a really good defensive stretch, right? And I think he can be a capable defender, 
at the NBA level, particularly when he gets switched on to smaller guys like threes and fours. He has the foot speed to be able to match up with them. Um, but I just don't put too much stock into it yet. You know, he has been asked to take a load of the burden as a rim protector. I mean, he's playing heavy, heavy minutes right now with Maxi out and he's, they're not getting any of those two big lineups together. Christian Wood has done a phenomenal job and he's impressed me, you know, as much as I think I could have been impressed by his defense at this point in the season. He seems like he's really understand understand understanding the Mavericks defensive system schematically right but I don't want to shift the narrative completely into labeling him as the like highly coveted rim protector that this team needs because this team still make no mistake about it needs a rim protector they still do not there there still is a sense of you know fortification that they're missing on the back line right and it's not not a knock on Christian Wood. It's just stylistically, like he's about six nine, six ten. You know, he has good length, good foot speed, um, but he's relatively slim in frame. You know, this he's done a way better job effort wise on that side of the ball. I'm not going to negate that whatsoever. And he's doing as good of a job as he can. But I think he's more well suited as a guy that you know has to guard fours at times and can occasionally be that weak side help side shot blocker not the guy who you want just you know playing drop and I'm not they're not really playing him like that um but that's a guy that I think the Mavericks could sorely need like use right and I think Christian Wood and I've been on this train you know some people would opt for him to only be the lone big and you know I can hear the argument for that but I honestly think he's best suited playing with another rim protector because that'll leave like Christian Wood is having to alleviate a lot on the defensive end right now, and it's not hurting his offensive game, surprisingly enough. But, you know, ha have this – if we persist with this for a few more weeks, you know, Max, he's still out with his hamstring tear. Who knows when that actually starts to catch up to him, right? So if the Mavericks could, in any sort of fashion, swing a trade for a rim protector at any point this season, I still think that's one of the three most needed things, you know, in tandem with – another ball handler and another three and D wing who has a little bit of creation to him, you know, not a guy who's limited by his one dimensionality, like some of the guys on the Mavericks in terms of Dorian and Reggie. Oh, that, that's another good point. Like I completely forgot to mention that obviously off topic is heck right here, but Reggie did not play tonight. He was out with a non COVID illness. So I don't think that's something that will be something that keeps him out like a really long time. But, you know, that was obviously a reason that Frank started tonight. So, you know, back to the Christian Wood argument, though, like he still, I think, would be served best defensively if he's able to get some of that pressure of him having to be the lone big man on the floor uh, alleviated from him and pairing him with another like really good rim protector. And then you have Maxi off the bench to mediate things, be that switchable big who can be a rim protector, but also switch on the guards. That's the idealistic defensive big man rotation for the Mavericks um, because, you know, in a game against the Rockets, of course, you know, Shingun is not the biggest guy either. He's like six nine. He's a solid, you know, post player and what have you, but he, you know, he's no Jokic. He's no Embiid. Obviously there's a lot of, you know, more like mobile and bigger bigs. Well, my, I, mobile was not the word I was really pining for, but, there's a lot more bigs that have a more, you know, more of a sense of a diversification to their game and can do a lot more things offensively and open up things, whether that's stretching the floor, whether that's, um, you know, being able to furbish themselves inside and really create havoc. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that there's a ton of Jokic's and the beads on every team, but I do think that there are going to be bigger presences, bigger presences, presences oh my god I don't know if that's a word that's applicable I, I just don't think I can properly enunciate that I, I don't here um rather there I don't think that there is going to you know there are going to be other bigs that have more of a presence there we go I completely apologize guys um there's going to be other bigs that have more of a presence in you know in the paint and Christian Wood that we've seen him at time and time again this season uh, 
not be able to guard as effectively. Not not really an indictment upon him, but I mean, you look at the game the other night versus the Knicks, like Mitchell Robinson gave him the work, and I mean, he's just slightly bigger than him. So the Mavericks, make no mistake about it, still need a guy that can take that pressure off Christian Wood. Whether they find it is a different story. Who knows if they even have the assets to go get it. Um, but, you know, it's either, you know, you kind of play the waiting game for Maxi. but I think even if Matt, when Maxi returns, you still want a guy like that because JaVale McGee clearly was not that guy. I mean, even in garbage time, JaVale McGee, he had this, like, drop step reverse dunk that was kind of cool. But the previous possession, he literally caught the ball and, like, did not have any sense of where he was on the floor and just, like t- – flipped the shot up like behind his back and then just slammed off the backboard and he was like wide open he was backpedaling he just wasn't able to catch himself but um the the JaVale McGee experiment is you know to say the least um failed quite drastically this year right and the Mavericks are still you know working to try and find that guy because at the moment they're that's probably one of the more pressing needs for this team because it gets that paint protection you know, gets experience like you. We see the flaws in this Mavericks team in terms of their, you know, lack of rim protection, especially against other teams, amplified even more so. And obviously, the idealistic big in this sense would be a guy who's switchable on the perimeter, but can also protect the paint. Not, you know, when it just shows pure Brooke Lopez drop bigs, you know, you know, if we're like, you know, a Robert Williams or a Miles Turner, guys like that are in that sort of echelon, but those guys are hard to get. And I don't know if the Mavericks are, you know, I'm not saying Robert Williams up for trade, of course. Obviously, Miles Turner's been on the trade block in the last two years perpetually. But do the Mavericks have the assets to be able to get one of those guys is a narrative that's going we're going to see going forward. We'll have to see because it's an honest to God question that we really don't know right now, right? Um, but you know, I I felt the need to kind of cover the discussion there while still recognizing that Christian Wood had a really good defensive game tonight. He had five blocks, and it was the best defensive game he's played this season, no doubt about it. And if he was playing against the Houston Rockets every game, if the Mavericks played against the Houston Rockets every game, I honestly think Christian Wood would be probably the best defensive center in the league. Um, Outside of that, you know, we'll get into everybody, of course. Don't want to run this too long. Um, But like I said, the Mavericks just had a really easy go at it in this game. They had 25 fast break points, I believe. I could be missing the mark on that. It could be a little more, but that's what I remember hearing on the broadcast before it got to garbage time. And I don't know if they got any more than that. The Mavericks were off long misses and off any steals because this Rockets team did have a few stoppy turnovers. You know, they're young and naive and they really will just throw the ball away at times, which is in your, or travel or any, any of that sort of stuff, which is obviously it takes a lot of a burden off of you as a defense um, when you're able to get kind of, you know, get a quick breath of air, things like that. And, you know, McKinley Wright, who actually played long stretches in this game, only at two points, but he was quite the pest. He did a really good job of pushing the ball. Obviously I already talked about Luca with those outlet passes in the intro and the Mavericks were just getting down transition, making a snappy, you know, obviously they're ranked 29th in transition in the NBA, but they did a good job, you know, pushing the tempo, didn't what he was getting out there. Davis was running the floor. Tim was running the floor and it was a sight for sure eyes. And I mean, it just seemed like if the Mavericks could just do this more, at least against bad teams, because getting out in transition alleviates so much in terms of the energy that you have to expel on the offensive end. And I really think it could just aid some of their problems to an extent, um, you know, in these games where they're, they end up getting caught by a team that's worse than them because they're too tired on a second night of a back-to-back. If you can just get after it off the jump, you know, try make it a make it a point to run a little in the run a little more in the first half, things of that nature. That's something I think that could build well for this team a little bit better. I'm not saying that they're going to ever get to the top of the league in transition. You know, they just strictly they really don't have the personnel for that, just in terms of the heliocentric play style with Luca and how good he is in the half court. But you know, Luca, if you know he's in the best stamina and shape he's been in his life. Um, right now or at least in his NBA career right and by no means is he does that mean that he like comparatively is in like as good of a shape as some of these guys who are just constantly pushing like a Trey Young or a Jason Tatum or some of these stars that are just constantly on the fast break but you I think he could serve to get it out and transition a little more you know I know he's 
taking an insane burden right now. But I think Luca still could get the ball out a little more, right? And we saw that tonight, and it was a sight for sore eyes because it's something that, I mean, it was the most fast break points we've had this season with 25. And it's something that really just made opened up the game and made everything easier for the Mavericks. To harp on Luca a little bit more, I mean, everything just looked so effortlessly for him tonight, right? He had like 12 rebounds, all of which were just like complete snatches. Um, he he does such a good job. I mean, we talked about this in the last podcast of positioning himself and putting himself, you know, using his body accordingly on some of these rebounds. He's not soaring over guys for rebounds. I think that's what makes this the most impressive. Like a lot of these like high-end rebound guys just have the sheer size and athleticism, you know, i.e. Uh, Embiid to just be able to go over the top of you and grab anything they want, like Giannis. But Luca does a great job boxing out. And I'm not saying those guys don't, but that's the fact that he's getting over 10 rebounds a game doing this, being the best rebounder on this team. You know, obviously a team that's thin in the front court right now. But it's that's very impressive to me. And, I mean, offensively, like he operated out of the post tonight, of course, um, you know, in the pick and roll with Dwight and Christian Wood where – he was able to find them multiple times. Shen Goon could not, he, you know, it, no, no discredit to Shen Goon, but there was just no chance of him being able to, you know, properly cover a pick and roll with Luca and Christian Wood or Luca and Dwight Powell. Like once that started catalyzing in the second and third quarter, uh, I mean, in the first quarter, even for Dwight, Dwight Powell had, you know, a really good game in this one. He ran the floor well. He did a good job as a rim runner, and that's really all you can ask of him. He's he's ha- quietly like had a really, you know, he's had a solid stretch here. It's just he hasn't really been scoring. He, I mean, I say solid. He's he hasn't done anything like particularly bad, barring a few really atrocious defensive games. He was at least holding his own when the Mavericks went to zone in this game, and luckily, he was able to be a benefactor of a lot of. Uh, Luca passes on the other end, you know, a couple lobs and McKinley Wright found him once in transition for an and one. So it was a solid little game from Dwight. And you, anytime that you can get like over 10 points from Dwight and that automatically boosts your win chances by a large margin, because that's not something that you see every game. That's something that the Mavericks probably seldom get from him. Right. Um, you know, and otherwise Christian Wood, like I said, already talked about his defensive game offensively. He did, um, you know, in the first half, he just what he was severely hampered by foul trouble. He made like one three, but they just weren't really going to him. In the second quarter, I mean, he just started shooting the lights out. He had like, I believe, four threes in this game. Let's see. He actually only got accredited for four blocks, but you know that makes more sense. I thought a couple of them were kind of stretches, anyways. Yeah, he made five threes in this game, and he really kind of seemed like he was giving the business to the Rockets. And anytime he got an isolation possession. You know, if he was posted up at the elbow or that mid-range area in between the, you know, baseline and the uh, corner three-point line, I mean, he would just go to work. And, there, like, once, you know, to just point out how effortless, effortless it was for him, I mean, it just seemed like regardless of how many guys the Rockets stocked the paint up with, you know, whether it be Tari Eason, um, K.J. Martin, I mean, there was nothing they could really do. I mean, Shen Goon's not – your idealistic defensive big man, and they, they're just really thin at that position. Garuba is this sort of versatile chess piece that kind of is a center and kind of not. Uh, I do enjoy his game, though. He always seems to torch us for some reason and then just, like, gets no playing time against other teams, apparently, which is really funny. Um, but from that perspective, I did think that um, it was just a really, like, effortless night. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie in this game, we look at him. He went, uh, he had three threes tonight, a lot of which were in transition. He was just pulling up or off a pass. He would just, you know, kind of come up and shoot it. 15 points, six assists. He did a really good job taking what the defense gave him in this one. He was not overtly aggressive. We've seen kind of a deviation from him really being a secondary ball handler these last couple games. That's not going to be something that continues, I think. But I think Luca's in such God mode right now that, I mean, everybody whatever everybody else does around him in terms of ball handling is basically complimentary like Luca is basically 
taking the ball and doing something with it every possession versus earlier in the season, we saw him defer to Spencer. So, you know, at times and for stretches, not like throughout the whole game. Um, but I think that that's going to be something that, well, we may see a few more games in a row, like surely, you know, Luca is going to need some of that pressure alleviated from him. So I, it's been nice to see how the Mavericks have kind of uh, used the secondary ball handler position by committee by, you know, throwing in Kemba and spurts, and him doing some nice things to mix it up in terms of the way he's able to penetrate and kick and wrap it around to guys in the dunker spot, um, you know, getting some McKinley Wright minutes, of course, giving him the ball. And, you know, of course, Spencer, who it seems game to game, you know, depending on how gaudy Luca is going off in this in whatever game is kind of depends on how much Spencer is going to really furbish himself in terms of trying to handle the ball and create for himself and others but nonetheless I mean Spencer's a great ball mover I always say this about him like even if he's not handling the ball himself he always keeps swinging it and he always does a really good job of you know when those pick and roll opportunities are presented when he's having to run it in the second unit trying to capitalize upon them I think we've seen a progression from him from being a pretty bad lob passer to at least a competent one he's hasn't had as many bad turnovers as early in the season which has been nice to see i'm still not labeling him as like this any sort of insanely good passer or anything like that but it's been quite the revelation to see that at least tim hardaway jr you know i talked about had a good shooting night got out in transition good for him um i thought the mavericks in terms of just their team defensive um by committee were really good tonight as when they played zone just their anticipation they, they jumped the gun on a few steals that I was really shocked by and got out in transition. Frank did a good job when he had to guard Jalen Green in that first half. McKinley Wright was a huge pass. He ran around, I mean, for only being a 5'11". That's literally my height. The guy has um, – his, his foot speed is unmatched on the defensive end and his lateral quickness to be able to stay in front of guys and contest nonetheless. I mean, there was even like one time where Bruno Fernando at the end of the game went up for a dunk and – I think McKinley Wright got a call for a foul, but he almost got a piece of the ball from behind. I think he did. I mean, he basically blocked the shot. I mean, he may have got some arm as well, but he tries his ass off on the defensive end, and you can really see it, um, how beneficial that is for the Mavericks to have a guy at the point of attack that can, you know, he has a good wingspan for his height and really just gets after it tenaciously. I mean, you know, obviously there are times where he may get shot over, but I mean, overall, I think he is a plus defender despite his size, which you really just can't say out of many guys that height in the NBA. It's it's wildly impressive to me to some of the things he's been able to do. You know, he didn't get too much of an opportunity to handle the ball tonight. And, you know, was, he made like one and one in garbage time. But uh, in terms of his defense, I think that that could be something that gets him on the floor. Outside of that, I mean – in terms of guys, you know, we already talked about Dwight, talked about Tim, talked about Spencer, talked about C. Wood, talked about Luca. Frank played 18 minutes in Frank played 18 minutes in this game. He um, you know, he didn't have a ton of creation opportunities, but he did have like a cool no-look pass to Tim in the corner. It was a really like, you know, Frank had his typical like, I'm not gonna be disruptive to the game at all. I'm just gonna go with the flow on offense and play good defense game. And that's really all I can ask for. I'd like to see Frank start to knock down a little more of his threes he's kind of treading through a pretty rough shooting stretch quietly here I don't you know I don't know how many people have actually caught wind of that or pay attention enough but he in his limited opportunities has not been shooting the ball good and in a stretch where the Mavericks could may actually need to rely on him for the next week or two which is kind of wild to say I would hope that he can turn that around a little bit especially if he's going to be getting some spot starter minutes and things of that nature um, but I don't have any complaints like that from him in this game. He did his job. So that was good to see. Kemba got some garbage time minutes. He made uh, two threes. I thought he made two threes. He only made one in, in garbage time. Um, Davis played throughout stretches in the game, just, you know, do tough. Then, then we are in terms of rotation right now. Did, he had another kind of like rough shooting go, but he had two transition buckets off Luke Outlet passes. One was a dunk. One was a reverse layup where K.J. Martin was trying to take his head off basically, but Davis was able to adjust nonetheless. So that was good to see um, outside of that, you know, Oh, I mean, you know, JaVale already kind of talked about his little garbage time run where you know, he made like a floater and had a drop step reverse dunk, but 
still just looked like really he looked very I'm not an NBA player tonight and even in limited time and garbage time which is really funny and um you know Jaden Hardy got a little run in garbage time he got a little run in the second quarter as well he was definitely off shooting tonight but and he had a few kind of ticky tacky fouls where he reached in and he got beat off the dribble we've seen better defensive efforts from him on that end so that was a little disappointing, but it wasn't anything, you know, wildly egregious or limiting in a sense where I was like, oh, he needs to get off the floor. So, you know, just need to see the continued progression of him. Some games he's going to be really good. Sometimes the decision making simply is not going to be there. He just really didn't have it all tonight in his limited minutes. You know, he has an opportunity to grasp some minutes here with everybody out. But, you know, it just really takes that one good game for him to furbish himself in the rotation a little bit more. Right. But nonetheless, I liked um, – it wasn't anything really obstructive or something that really messed with the game flow at all. And, you know, I, I hope he gets more PT going forward. He's still an intriguing young prospect and still wildly important to this team's future nonetheless. And, you know, he made a three in the fourth quarter. Uh, we got a Bobon sighting in the fourth quarter, which is great. He made two layups over JaVale, funny enough, um, in the fourth quarter, and the crowd was chanting, which is really good. Um, so. Anytime you get to see Boban, that's always good to see. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, just in terms of offensively tonight, the Mavericks did a good job of just making the Rockets' defense collapse and getting operating within the paint. I don't know how many points how many points in the paint the Mavericks had, but they had to have had quite a bit because, I mean, the Mavericks in this game, let me see how many threes they shot because I don't think it was a whole lot. Oh, they shot 45 and made 18. Never mind. I will. Okay. It was a game, though, where it's kind of outlandish as this is to say. The Mavericks didn't need to make that many threes to win the game. I thought, like I said, this is more of a defiant win. And I thought the Mavericks really like took care of business. I think they could have easily beat this Rockets team if Luca simply served to be more aggressive. You know, he deferred to some step back threes and you know, rightfully so in a game where he didn't has doesn't have to expel all of his energy, right? You know, especially after that 60-point haymaker the other night, which was just pure insanity. But I think he, you know, the Mavericks could, if they wanted to play different stylistically in this game specifically, I don't think they have the luck for you to do this in that much in all other games just because of the lack of creation and what have you. But I think they could have, you know, they did a good job running in transition, getting into the paint. I think that they could have beat the Rockets, um, more so in that manner if they really wanted to but it was just a good wire to wire win where we shot good and you know the well the Mavericks defensive personnel was obviously hampered severely and all the injuries and everything to Reggie Josh Dorian and Maxi. the Mavericks played good zone and spots you know and outside of Jabari Smith Jr. Um, making some mid-range jump shots over some guys in the first quarter. The Mavericks didn't really have like a ton of things that I thought were like really patchable just based on the personnel that they had out there tonight. Jalen's green, he had 23 points, but none of them like barring maybe a couple baskets where he was able to beat Tim off the dribble. Cause you know, Tim obviously is, you know, pretty, uh, Pretty, basically a, an abomination on defense. We all know that. Um, I was just trying to think of a not – I was trying to think of a nice way to put that, so I apologize to Tim and everything. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, Jalen Green, he – like the points that he was getting tonight, they were all like tough, like step-back threes. Same with Kevin Porter Jr. I mean, this Rockets offense just doesn't have any flow to it this team has no way to alleviate like any of the pressure that those guys have to take on because those guys are also like very narrow sided when they get into the lane, like they're looking to score, you know what they're trying to do. And, you know, their inability to furbish themselves as playmakers, I think has been a big thing for Houston fans in terms of like their complaints and what they'd like to see those guys develop into more. Um, but, you know, that's that's obviously a work in progress for them, and I, I do hope the best for them and Steven Silas, even though obviously it is, you know, F the Rockets over here for Steven Silas' sake. You know, I did enjoy his time in Dallas, so I hope that they're able to uh, – I'm sure they will. I mean, they have a very talented young roster, even if 
the basketball product on the floor does not equate. Um, but that, I mean, you just kind of know what they're going to do every time. I mean, and talent will win over sometimes like Jalen green and Kevin Porter jr. Have made some tough shots tonight, but it's just that decision-making process where it's like, okay, you could have, you know, dropped it off to Shengun in the pick and roll here instead of waving him off and taking a step back three or trying to do everything yourself and just jump over everybody like that sort of stuff is kind of what I'm getting at here in terms of, you know, Jalen Green having 23 points and uh, Kevin Porter Jr. having 17 points respectively. But all of them were just tough, tough buckets that didn't come in a manner that was sort of like you felt like it was productive to winning, if that makes sense, which is harsh to say to an extent, but I do feel as if that was kind of the truth in this game. Um, otherwise, on the Rockets tonight, um, let's kind of check them out here. Eric Gordon had a couple buckets, really strong guy, obviously a trade target for every team in the league at this point, any team that's trying to win. Um, maybe the Mavericks can get on that, but I don't know what the asking price is for, for him. Having seen him tonight and some of these other games that the Mavericks have played the Rockets, I, I do think that I would I would definitely like him on this team and, you know, just having that added veteran presence and another 3 and D wing with some playmaking ability because um, he's kind of a, he's kind of a tweener. He's like, you know, in terms of he offers you some pseudo creation ability as well as, you know, being a solid defensive guard who can stand still and catch and shoot threes if he needs to. But if the asking price for him right now is a first round pick, which is kind of being tossed around, I don't know how keen I am to that. Um, but I mean, who knows? I, I just, I, I don't think I'd be too interested in that, especially I, I knew he was in his like early thirties, but 34, like is what, you know, he turned 34 on Christmas, I believe. Like, I, I just don't know if that's going to be the most applicable option. You know, the I know the Rockets scored 114 points tonight, um, but a lot of them, came in that like fourth and third quarter where the Mavericks like completely took their foot off the gas. Christian Wood being in foul trouble, definitely like he kind of just let a lot of guys score at the rim throughout stretches in this game. So, I mean, I don't think it was a bad defensive effort from the Mavericks. I thought they did as good as they did as they could with the personnel that they had by committee and their offense was able to carry them. And they kind of needed in a game like this. And just based on their personnel, that's just kind of how they, have to play. I, I'm not going to get mad when they're missing as many of their good defenders as they are. Is it going to potentially lead to some losses when this stretch gets tougher here in a couple of days? Uh, like definitely. I mean, the Mavericks have a tough stretch, like post January 5th, January 5th, they start playing the Celtics and next game after that, the Pelicans and so on and so forth. So that's definitely going to be a compelling narrative going forward. But in a game like this, where you can just outscore your opponent and, you know, you play as good of team defense as you can. I mean, I don't have too many gripes with it, right? Um, in terms of, you know, the Rockets played a plethora of guys off the bench who all contributed in some sort of fashion, you know, in garbage time. Deshaun Nix made a few threes at the end. Bruno Fernando. He's a guy who's like, honestly, I think I would like to see more out of him. He's a really cognizant, like, offensive center. He he, he knows what it's doing on the floor, if that makes any sense. He's one of the few guys on that team that has, like, plays his role to a T and, you know, has a clear agenda when he's out there. But, you know, he does have some defensive limitations. Tari Eason, a guy who I really like, only played 18 minutes tonight. But um, that first Mavericks versus Rockets game, we saw the versatility of him. Really intriguing young player. He didn't get a ton of clock tonight, but, you know, solid game from him, whatever. Didn't shoot too much, three for seven from the field. Ty Ty Washington Jr. played a lot more in that game where Luca had 50, um, got a little bit of clock tonight, made a three. Uh, Uzman Garuba, like I said, he was an intriguing guy, really good rebounder, guy who can defend, you know, two through five pretty well, has the measurables and, you know, defensive intensity that scouts kind of salivate out over. I mean, this was a guy when he was coming out of the draft. I mean, got, a lot of guys were raving about him kind of has yet to furbish himself in the NBA because of how limited he is on offense. He's kind of limited to like being a short roller and that little flip shot, something that like a guy like Rashawn Holmes made a living off of. Um, and Deshaun, Rashawn Holmes doesn't have the ver versatility that Usman Garuba has 
I mean, if Usman Garuba, he made a three in this game, and it was only his ninth of the year, I believe. He can figure it out shooting-wise, and he's going to be a good player one day. I truly believe that. I think this there's a lot to be unlocked with this guy, in my opinion. <coughs> I apologize, guys. Uh, my throat's just dry right now. Not sick like last week on the podcast. Um, but, you know, obviously the this Rockets team, you know, Shen Goon, he had a solid game tonight, but I think Christian Wood earnestly outworked him in this game, which was quite the revelation because Shen Goon had a much better offensive game that first time the Mavericks played the Rockets, uh, not the last game, but the first time, and, you know, was really giving the business. And we saw the progression of Christian Wood defensively to where he's basically teared himself off from – uh, probably a, you know, average or on some nights minus defender to obviously not an A plus, you know, like gaudy or like penultimate rim protector, but he's a guy who is not a complete liability on defense. And we saw that with him limiting Shen Goon to 11 points tonight. You know, Shen Goon also got in foul trouble and only played 16 minutes, but that was in large part to the, to how much of, um, an offensive force Christian Wood was on the other end and uh, you know, the pressure that the Mavericks were able to put on the rim. So there's that as well. Um, You know, the Rockets have a lot of intriguing young players and they're going to be really good one day, but this team is just so unsynchronized defensively and they just have so much, so much issues that can only be fixed with time and playing together and probably one or two more, you know, hits in the draft like so many of their problems aren't like this team, like athletically should be a lot better defensively than they are just in terms of like their personnel, but they're not because they, you know, it's a young, really young team and you know, their communication just isn't where it needs to be their rotations and their, you know, inability to not, you know, preemptively close out on guys, things of that nature. Like, they're just going to struggle more so with that just because of their youth and it is what it is, but it's a great take care of business win for the Mavericks and they did what they need to do. Got out in transition at a fun game. Uh, Luca continues his insane uh, recent stretch where I think in the last like five games, he's averaging 40 points and like 11 and 10, like just obscure stuff. And I mean, this is what he's having to do with the amount of injuries we have right now. The Mavericks play the Spurs on New Year's Eve. We're probably going to have to do a podcast the day after that because me and Jaron both have plans that night. But if anything changes, we'll let you guys know. We'll do it. And there's any way possible we can do a podcast that night. We will. But just don't um, look forward to it. But it was quite the relief that the Mavericks were, like I said, I'll repeat myself for the eighth time. But it was just a good relief, good feel-good win on a Friday. Is it Friday? Or no, okay, it's Thursday. It's Friday right now as I'm recording this on a Thursday night. And I was glad that the Mavericks just took care of business in this game. And, you know, we had, I think, five guys in double figures. Like, that's all you can ask for, especially in a game where as injury riddles as we are in a game that could have been a trap game after a historic performance from Luca. Like, what more can you ask for, right? This was um, a solid and fun win. And that's really all I got. I mean, it was a, and, I mean, for the Mavericks to be on a five-game win streak amidst how they've played in some of this game is insane to me. Uh, we'll see if they can continue it against um, another kind of trap game on New Year's Eve, another, like, 6 o'clock start time in San Antonio. Let's see how that goes, right? Um, the I think that this – you know, the Mavericks are due at some point. You know, you can only play so good for so long, especially with how injury-riddled the Mavericks are. But, I mean, the way Luke is playing right now, I mean, it, it – not, I'm not going to say it makes us unbeatable because we had, you know, a pretty weak strength of schedule in this stretch, but it, it gives you a chance in any, any game. And that, that's for sure. So regardless, if we come out flat, as long as Luca continues while he's playing right now, the Mavericks aren't really playing a ton of back-to-backs. I mean, yes, he's expelling a lot of energy, but at least he's getting a day in between games. Who knows what can happen, right? Um, maybe the Mavericks make it six in a row. I mean, just from a, you know, on paper perspective, they should obviously beat the Spurs, but it is getting to that point where it's like, oh, when are the mat- injuries going to catch up to them? So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But um, excited to watch that one. Excited for the Mavericks to win five in a row. I wouldn't, you know, go as far to say it as to say that they're like figuring it out this season yet, because not everybody's back. And like I said, the strength of schedule is really weak right now. 
But I will say that the Mavericks are in a much better place than they were two weeks ago, where I think we were looking at doomsday scenarios. Now we're at least in the territory where it's like, okay, we've accepted our mediocrity and we're as long as we can just get out of the play and get to that 60 territory, let's get it right. And, um, you know, I don't want to get too big picture here, um, but that's um, kind of something we'll probably look at here as we actually get to the, to the definitive halfway point in the season, we're like 41 games through like big picture wise, what is this Mavericks team doing? Like how much is going to, you know, getting to the second round this year, really doing for them, getting out of the play in tournament, like, how much does it bolster this team? Things of that nature. It's a provocative discussion to have. Um, just the general direction, the amount of flexibility this team has. We'll be getting into that in a few games, but want to stray away from this right now and just enjoy this win, right? Um, so, you know, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Mainstream underscore Mavs. For those of you listening on YouTube, make sure to like, subscribe, and comment anything down below. As a matter of fact, if you want to comment something this game, comment how many points you think Luca is going to have in the next game? Do you think he's going to get above 30 points? Do you think he's going to continue this streak? He's averaging 33.6 points right now. Um, maybe 33.7 after this game. I'd have to check. But Embiid's at 33.7. So Luca is almost averaging the most in the league. Do you think he continues this wild stretch? Um, it has, you know, either another triple-double triple <laughs> or 30 points. Uh, comment down below if you think he'll get either of those. And if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other podcast platform, make sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating or hit us up on Twitter or whatever. We appreciate you guys listening and getting this far into the podcast. Um, stay tuned. We'll be back probably New Year's Day to cover that Spurs game. Um, unfortunately, because we can't get it out that night just due to the fact that we're both busy on New Year's Eve. It's not the most favorable time. The Mavericks seem like, – I, I do like – the fact that the Mavericks are getting scheduled on holidays and they're all cool and um, national media gives us like 1% more attention because of Luca now and we play on Christmas and New Year's uh, New Year's Eve, but it's not too convenient for um, plans that, you know, you have to structure around it, but nonetheless, we'll get it covered the next day at the very, at the very worst. And um, barring that we don't have Jaron to give you guys the, the bye-bye today, but we do have me to give you the peace out. So we will catch you guys in the next one. Peace out and stay solid out there.